welcome to a special Wednesday night edition of Catchweight. We've just wrapped up another Fight Island event and we've had another dominant five-round main event, another dominant masterclass. A bit different to Max Holloway's Saturday night, Saturday night win, considering there was a lot less blood, in fact no blood, and it was all grappling and on the mat. But Michael Chiesa has propelled himself into the elite now, you could say at 170 pounds. He out-wrestled, dominated Neil Magny for five rounds. Magny couldn't really get into his own rhythm at all in the fight. And here we are now, Michael Chiesa, the former lightweight, is now doing big things at 170 pounds. So before we jump into the main event, we're just going to quickly go through what else happened on the card. There was a loaded preliminary card, quite a busy main card as well. In the UK, the fight started here at 2pm on Fight Pass and the main event finished just around half eight in the evening. So not a bad way to spend your Wednesday afternoon slash evening if you ask me. So we saw a lot of debuts on this card. And it started with the very first fight on the fight pass prelims. Manon Fiorot, the French woman, had a dominant striking display against Victoria Leonardo en route to a second round knockout. She stunned her several times. Didn't help that Victoria Leonardo's hair was all over the place within a few minutes of striking. And the final exchange saw her rocked with a head kick and there were a few more punches to follow up and the referee said that was it. Then we had the debut of Umar Nomegomedov. Yes, that surname should sound familiar, unless you are really a casual. He was fighting Sergei Morozov in the bantamweight division. Obviously, Khabib was in his corner. And they say a lot about Umar's kicks, that he likes to kick a lot. That was an understatement because he landed several kicks to the body, to the head, just chopping away at Morozov. And he even wobbled him badly at one point. Obviously, in typical Nurmagomedov style, though, he would finish this fight with a submission. He got his back in the second round. And nine years to the day... After Khabib made his debut with a rear naked choke victory in the third round, Umar did so in the second round. So a very good omen, if you ask me. Yet another name to look out for in a bantamweight division that is just on fire right now. Then we had arguably the pick for fight of the night, Mike Davis and Mason Jones. Of course, Mason Jones from Wales, a big British prospect. He was handed his first professional loss here in the UFC. But it's a big learning experience for him. Both fighters worked at a remarkable clip. There was a remarkable amount of significant strikes coming out and it was just Mike Davis's boxing and a bit of grappling that got him the win there. Then we had another close relative of a UFC champion making their UFC debut, this time Francisco Figueiredo, brother of the flyweight champion and possibly my favourite fighter currently today, Davison. He was in action. Of course, a bit less polished than Davison. I don't think that's a harsh thing to say as he defeats Jerome Rivera. But Jerome Rivera did give him a lot of opportunities to really take the fight in the judges' scorecards, except for the last two minutes where he finally did put it on after a lot of urgency from his corner. Francisco controlled a lot of the fight. He stayed at a healthy range. You know, he was throwing them counters, just the one or two shots in return. And he did well. He didn't tire as many thought he would. And if you looked at his other fights or what people have said about him before the fight, you'd have expected him to struggle with cardio issues. But barring a few nervy moments in the final round, he, he got there and he got the clear decision win. South Africa's Lungambula, sorry if I didn't pronounce that right, got a win over Marcus Perez. This was a bit of a hard watch at times. Maybe a bit of fatigue was kicking into the card. It was more Lungambula's power just overdoing Perez. Perez decided to grapple for a lot of the time, possibly because he was wary of that power from the South African. But he did have some success on the feet, especially at the final few seconds of the fight where he rocked his opponent. But it is Lungambula who gets the win. I think I just butchered the pronunciation, but my apologies. We had China's Sumaderji, 
I don't know if the broadcast intended on doing this, but they put his name as one word. So I don't know if that's something going forward. But he beat Zaruk Adeshev. Not the most compelling of fights or action-packed, but it was good range management and good striking. You know, this guy could be a big star going forward. China's already got one UFC champion. They may be on course to have another one come two or three years' time. Then ending the preliminary portion of the card, Ricky Simon defeated Gaetano Parillo. Just a brilliant wrestling display for him. He continued to grind him out and Parillo was just put into the compromising position where Simon was able to get the arm triangle and that was that. There was another fight scheduled for the prelims, Amari Akhmadov and Tom Breeze, but of course due to time constraints that ended up finding itself as the first fight on the main card. So the main card started with a big win for Amari Akhmadov. You know, he is a veteran of the game, a veteran of professional mixed martial arts, and he even managed to submit the black belt, Tom Breeze. He started the, the fight very well, some good ground and pound where he got Breeze down. He did look a bit tired though, and he was more content on the round, just expiring when Breeze did take his back. And then there was a, another takedown attempt in the second round, a bit of a scramble, and Breeze managed to get a calf slicer. Akhmadov was able to scramble out of it, and he ended up on top, and then he got into an arm triangle choke. Breeze seemed to have gone limp at one point, but it just appears he was getting relaxed to try and escape the submission. And then he did have to tap to the arm triangle choke, so a big win there for Amari Akhmadov. Like I said, he is still a force to be reckoned with in this middleweight division. He did lose to Chris Weidman, but Chris Weidman is still Chris Weidman, you know. He is not a shot fighter in his own, so Akhmadov is still very much a threat. And certainly not someone that any fighters can make their name off anytime soon. There was better luck for the next Brit on the card, though, Lerone Murphy. He wasn't able to finish Douglas Silva de Andrade, but no complaints on that because De Andrade is a very very durable fighter at one point he looked like he was ready to go because his legs was destroyed I think the damage first began when he threw a leg kick of his own and it got checked in the first round where Murphy was really controlling the striking exchanges Andrade was limping towards the end of the second round Murphy was beating up that leg but then in the third round De Andrade goes for him and arguably wins the third round you know he forces Murphy to wrestle a bit at times because he just probably did hurt him at some points of that fight but Lerone Murphy obviously did enough to get the win you know I texted this to my friend during the card English MMA is looking good at the moment you know we've got Lerone Murphy of course Leon Edwards with that big fight against Hamza which by the way got made official for March 13th we already knew it was going to happen but it's now official for March 13th we've got Darren Till we've got Nathaniel Wood uh, Tom Aspinall we wonder how he'll get on against Arlovsky later on so yeah, some exciting times for British MMA and the, the whole scene in general is looking very bright. Flyweights are called flyweights for a reason. You know, the UFC's smallest male division. These guys are going to be fast. But Matt Schnell is fast and then some. He got the better of Tyson Yam, Tyson Nam, pardon me, over three rounds. His hand speed was really the, the difference here. Nam was loading up for that one punch. He did improve towards the second and third rounds, but he was already wearing it by that time. Somehow the judges scored it 29-28. I'm going to have to watch it back again because a lot of people did, did see Nam taking the... Well, not a lot, but a couple of people on Twitter did see Nam taking that fight. I personally thought it was Schnell 29-28. Yeah, the hand speed was terrific, terrific. He stayed out of the way of the power shots and he got the job done. And then we had Roxanne Modafferi losing to Vivian Araujo. If you sense the enthusiasm going for my voice, that is intentional. Not exactly sure why this fight was on the main card, let alone so high up on the main card. And as expected, Araujo gets the decision win over Modafferi. Modafferi 
very respectable, very very beloved fighter by many, one of the most experienced women in the whole of professional mixed martial arts. But in that fight, she looked like she didn't belong in there at some points. You know, the striking still looked very novice-like. And even on the ground, which she thought was her forte, Araujo was able to pass guard quite easily. So, you know, that's the thing with Modafferi. She's up and down. You couldn't say that she's that bad that the UFC would cut her because that is just straight unfair. But you do wonder now, you know, with all this experience and another person beating her now, probably that Macy Barber fight now, looking back, it's a big win for Modafferi in the fact that she hasn't fallen out of the rankings after a loss here because that could have been the case. And then we have some more life pumped into the card. E.K. Villanueva knocked out Vinicius Moreira in the second round. Again, another advert for high-level MMA, not. Moreira didn't really look prepared for the fight and he just approached him more as, you know, someone who didn't know much about fighting would. Back it up in a straight line, a high guard. And before long, it was Villanueva who was starting to try and wrap his punches around the guard or go to the body. And then, of course, when... Moreira did try and get going in the second round. He got cracked with a right hand and folded like a deck chair. And that was it. You know, a big win for Villanueva. He needed that win. He was struggling. He was having a bad spell. But now he's back on it. And we'll see where he goes from here. But for Moreira, you know, I'm never one to advocate for someone losing their job or for someone getting cut. But there are regional contracts that the UFC do hand out or developmental contracts. So maybe he will need some more time to work around them fundamentals because he did again look a bit strange and a bit unorthodox in his technique it looked more as if there wasn't that skill there and that knowledge that you would expect to see in the UFC let alone the third fight up in the card but who knows what they were thinking anyway with the structure of the card we just said Modafferi was high up here anyway okay the co-main event Wally Alves is back ladies and gentlemen the man who has made a name for himself after defeating Colby Covington all the way back in December 2015 is back now after 14 months off and he really did give a beating to Munir Laziz, of course the hometown favourite, the Tunisian fighting on UAE soil. He had all the fans around him. The You could hear a pin drop in the arena when Wally Alves' name was getting announced. But what does Wally Alves do? He shows that he's been eager to get back into the octagon. He opens up with a leg kick and then a right hand cracks Munir Laziz who was forced to clinch after a bit of time exchanging positions around the fence. When they break... Alves unleashes not one, not two, but three kicks to the liver of Laziz, who just goes straight down, and there's some more follow-up punches, and that was that. An absolutely superb performance by Wally Alves. He wasn't going to let Munir Laziz make a name of himself. He's had a strange career in terms of his results, Alves, but he's taken the unbeaten UFC record of Laziz, who had a, had a lot of momentum with him, and now here we go with Wally Alves. I believe he called out Nate Diaz, if I'm not mistaken, you know, maybe slow down a bit there. But again, it's going to be exciting to see him get a good run of fights now now that, now that he's healthy once again. That is probably my performance of the night, barring the main event, of course. Okay, and now on to the main event. Michael Maverick Chiesa. You know, we talked about his ground credentials before the fight. This was obviously the big talk on the preview. How will Magni deal with getting on the ground? And how will Chiesa deal with the stand-up? Well, there wasn't a lot of stand-up in this fight. But for the exchanges that did occur... Chiesa looked more than comfortable, more comfortable than he has been in some time. He did land a big right hand at one point. Magni did have his few moments on the stand-up, but there simply wasn't enough stand-up. And I don't know why he decided to go for this, but, you know, Magni's experience in the UFC, but 
some of his decision making in this fight has cost him. You know, there were several times where he landed a barrage of punches and then decided to close the range and clinch with Chiesa. And more more often than not, that would have ended up with him being on his back or Chiesa getting top control. And then, of course, that's the story of the fight. The position we saw the most was Chiesa in half guard, his shoulder squeezing down on the neck of Magni. And Chiesa did look tired, but he was able to see out the fight. He was able to make it through the five rounds. And of course, that was a big question mark about his credibility at welterweight. And he got the job done. I think it was a superb performance from Chiesa. Magni let him play to his strengths at times. And of course, Chiesa is going to exploit that. And even when he wasn't playing at his strengths in the rare times, Chiesa looked good. So you can't complain here. It does make you wonder with Neil Magni just what the ideas are at some points. I'm sure his corner weren't too happy with his approach to the fight. Again, like I said, always playing to Chiesa's strengths. And when you do that, you can't really blame yourself when the judges hand a wide decision win to your opponent. That is Magni's problem. He did clearly have the striking advantage and he should have exploited it. He had the range advantage. I believe he should have went to just keep Chiesa at range. Obviously easier said than done. But when you look at it, when Chiesa was on behind the black line in the octagon and um, Magni, Magni took the centre and he was closing him down, it did look like Magni could have won that sort of fight if the fight was up there. But they get to the fence, they start scrambling... Magni goes for a takedown, even in the fifth round. You know, he was doing well. Chiesa was forced to circle. Chiesa was looking a bit tired and a, look, a bit uncomfortable at that point. Magni decides to clinch. He decides to go for a takedown. And there, there we go. Chiesa ends up on top. So a frustrating performance from Neil Magni. But Chiesa took his opportunity. And now he has taken aim at Colby Covington, which, you know, I didn't consider that fight before. But... That's a fight I'd love to see, you know, not just for the preamble before, but for the actual stylistic matchups. Colby Covington, a volume striker. So we'll see how Chiesa can do with all those punches coming his way, because obviously what he got tonight in the striking round was the opposite of volume. And of course, we'll see if Colby can get troubled with Chiesa's ground game. You know, this card for the Wally Alves co-main event, all they were talking about was the fact that Colby Covington got caught in a guillotine at UFC 194 by Wally Alves. And we'll see what would happen here because, you know, Colby will like to wrestle a lot. How will he do against Keza on the map? But we have the questions either way. So it is a fun fight and it will really now test the metal of Keza because, you know, he's got four straight. The resume is looking absolutely solid now for what he's constructed at Weltweight so far, 4-0. So I say, why not? The Weltweight division just gets all the more interesting and then when you look at the two main events that were made official, Usman versus Burns for UFC 258 in February, and of course Hamzat versus Leon, which would have been tonight, but it's March 13th, not too far away now, less than two months to go. And Michael Chiesa has now secured four straight UFC wins for the first time in his career. He has a new lease of life at welterweight. You know, when you get a bit older, when it gets more difficult to cut weight, the obvious solutions to go up and some people just hang around at their divisions for too long but you know there are different styles different matchups and less obstacles in the terms of weight kit, weight cutting and physical attributes to worry about you know the physical attributes weren't even much of a thing in this fight you know you wouldn't have expected someone who was a former lightweight to have held down a welterweight and a welterweight stalwart in the fact that Magni has fought almost everyone in the division in the manner he did you know Magni was just pinned down at points without unable to do anything except having his shoulder, except having his opponent's shoulder straight into the windpipe. Not comfortable, 
and just testament to the skills of Chiesa. I would want to see him against Damian Meyer, considering you know that would be a very fun stylistic matchup, two grapplers, be a fun fight on the mat. But if he wants to go straight for Covington, why not? You know, he's aiming high. Covington is in line for a title shot, you could say, after beating Woodley. You know, this welterweight title pitch is very interesting now, and it's good to see Chiesa in the mix. Someone who never really got to that level at welterweight, at lightweight, pardon me. He was always hovering around the area, and now here he is, ready to try and tackle one of the biggest threats in the welterweight, welterweight division in Colby Congleton. We'll see if that fight gets made. But that that looks just about a wrap for this episode, this reaction to Chiesa versus Magni. A long card, but a fun card, you know. We've got more UFC coming thick and fast now as well. All eyes now turn to McGregor versus Poirier too. I've done a preview with one of my good friends and that episode is available wherever you find this episode on. Episode 7, we have the UFC 257 preview show where we broke down McGregor versus Poirier. Not long to go now. You know, the McGregor show is almost upon us. I'm soaking up all the content I can, the old fights, the embedded, and there is just nothing like a McGregor show. So all eyes turn to that. Of course... I'll be on hand to deliver my reaction as soon as the fight ends on Saturday night, Sunday morning, wherever you are in the world. Enjoy it. We are two events into this Fight Island 3. Thank you once again for tuning in and we'll be back with our normal weekly episodes after this Fight Island madness is over and done with. Thank you very much.